So uh, hopefully everybody has an outline, and uh, if you have one, uh, wave at me if you have an outline. I'd like everybody to have, make sure they have one. Oh, look at all those wild lines. So what I'd like you to do is, uh, this sermon is entitled The Truth About Me, and there's a bunch of truth about you in these first few lines, and I'd like to just say it all together. I think you guys can read that together. I'll try to keep a good pace, right? But uh, also, don't just read it. Uh, let it just come inside of you, because these, this truth is right from the Scripture, and uh, it's just some of the most wonderful things that we could say about God and our relationship with Him. And I'm going to highlight some of those things in the sermon that follows. All right, let's go. I am a magnet for God's favor. Now, that's about a third of you. Come on now, come on. God's creativity, God's wisdom, and God's love. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God gave Jesus for me, how will he not also graciously give me all things? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And God will meet all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God causes all things to work together for my good. Therefore, I will be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all the circumstances of my life. All right, yeah. So I'm just going to stop right there. End of sermon. See you later. Wow. You know, if I actually did that, everybody, I think people would actually faint. I think there would actually be a, a physical reaction there. So anyway, I preach fairly brief sermons, so don't worry. Oh, boy. Stretching it a little bit. Sorry, Lord, but it's okay. So let's just start with these great words. There's a few of them I want to just talk about. First of all, I am a magnet for God's favor. In other words, I attract God's favor. I attract God's favor. I think we attract God's favor far more than we know, and actually it's important that we rehearse it and talk over that because once you begin to realize that that's you, you begin to notice. But the enemy tries to talk you out of that, right? He tries to condemn you, talk you out of every good blessing. A blessing happens, hits you, you know, and then, well, whatever, you know, because you've you got your mind on something else that you need that's bigger or better, right? But often, blessings are just the prelude to more blessings. So we want to be magnets of favor. We want to not only receive a blessing, but one after the other. We want to be a good harbor for all those ships of blessing that come in, right? They need to come in, tie down a little bit. And part of the receiving of them is actually tying those blessings down, right? Just like a port. Just tie, tie those things down so we can unload what's on them. Sometimes we just don't see the blessing that's coming our way or we don't fully drink it. And uh, you'll see the process as we begin to read through some of these beautiful passages, some of my favorite passages in the Scripture. I want to just start with Roman numeral there. It says, I am a magnet for God's favor, Romans 8:31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I like those words. Graciously. You don't have to twist his arm. He's for you, right? He's already ready to bless, right? Because of Jesus. Graciously, in a kind way, give us all things. And I think our language needs to reflect that in the way we talk to God. It's so important. Because this is a very personal relationship. This is a very, very personal relationship. That's how he's, why he's called our Father in heaven. That's why the first words of the Lord's Prayer are our Father. He wants to underline. This is a 
personal thing. How will he not also along with him graciously, in a kind way, give us all things? Now, your kids and you, you know, uh, I've been a kid, now I'm a parent, now I'm a grandparent. But this whole thing of giving things to our children, now I'm on the other side, you know, I once was a child on that side. But it's so weird, I think, in a family or a household when um, uh, we feel like we have to just so creep around carefully and asking, especially when the kids are young, it would be so crazy for them to not just blurt out what they want for Christmas, right, and then expect it. Wouldn't that be weird? And some, you know, I mean, if they ever did that, a little five-year-old, now, Dad, I know that maybe times have been tough, and I understand that I don't get everything that I need uh, all the time, you know, ever want maybe, maybe things I need. But if you could just this one point, one time, if you could just give me this cute little bicycle, I'd really appreciate it, you know. And I don't think it'll cost too much, you know. Can you imagine a five-year-old saying that? No, I want that, right? Now we get a little bit better at it as we go older and more relational and so on and so forth. But the basic idea is the same. So we just need to underline this line, graciously give us all things. That's really, really good news. Because some of us need some stuff today. (laughs) Healing in our bodies. Hear from loved ones that we haven't heard from in a long time. Blessing over our businesses. Opportunities for employment. You name it, right? Graciously. Could I just underline that again? If he gave his own son, that cost him so much. He gave him, that was so expensive, the most expensive, lavish gift on the planet in this universe, as far as that goes. How will he not also graciously give all things? If that doesn't encourage you, I don't know what. What would? Because that is the truth of Scripture. Now there's some, because of down there, and uh, those are also in, in Romans, some of them, and I want to just... Read Romans chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So this credit is really important. So obviously if I'm a child asking my parent, I don't want to have you know, throwing a rock through the window right before I ask, right? Simple as that, right? But we all have in the background of our lives sometimes that we're just not good enough or maybe we weren't good enough because we didn't get the answer or we did something wrong, right? But the blood of Jesus credits us righteousness because we believe and that's the only qualification for us who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. We just made that proclamation. We made that declaration about Jesus, right? But sometimes we make the declaration, but we don't understand the credit that we have, right, on the other side. It's so important. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And because of that, we're righteous. We're in good standing. Now, I know many of you have close friends, you know, and uh, so, and then you have friends that aren't so close. But your close friends, you kind of push on when you're in need, right? Even maybe some of your relatives. There's people you do and you don't. But see, the God is one you can always push on, right? It's bought here at the cross. It's bought here in the righteousness of God. It's bought here in the love and acceptance of God. I'm a magnet for God's favor because I'm a forgiver and a giver. Now, that's really, really important as we look in the economy of God, these two words in this context. Therefore, I tell you, Uh, Let me start with verse 12. 
It's the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into testing, in other words. Lead us not into a bad space, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So there's a little qualification there. It's perfectly just, perfectly right. God forgave your sins. Now you're supposed to forgive others. So that's a part of this whole thing of called prayer. So we are forgivers, and we forgive, then that opens an avenue for us of provision. But a root of bitterness is something we have to guard against no matter what, no matter how people misuse us or mistreat us. Even with regard to our marriages and our families, it's amazing how unforgiveness can creep in there sometimes. Even over the most recent thing, I just try to keep my slate as clean, as clear as possible because, like, I'm desperate for answered prayer. How about you? But also, it doesn't feel good to be in that space anyway. We weren't made to carry condemnation and unforgiveness, were we? So when we're forgivers, like God is a forgiver, favor comes toward us. And there's also another thing. You don't have to give financially or any otherwise, time, anything. You don't have to. Actually, it's one of the greatest opportunities in the world to be a magnet of favor. Second King, uh, Corinthians chapter 6, uh, sorry, chapter 9, 6 to 11 explains it so well. I love these verses so much. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So, like if you took the first part of that, you go, oh, no, no, oh, no, right? It's not a, oh, no, it's an opportunity. <laughs> because God is always faithful. If you judge God by your generosity or how you give, wow, that's a bad thing to do. Don't do that. He's far more generous than you. Far more generous. Don't measure him by your generosity. Measure him by his generosity. But there's a couple of things. One of them I mentioned is forgiveness, giving other people a break and be generous to them. But then this is it. Verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, compulsion, Excuse me. for God loves a cheerful giver. Why does God love a cheerful giver? Because he's a cheerful giver. And he wants you to be like him. right? And God is able to bless you abundantly. So then, I love this verse. This is so great. This is, I almost want to say it together, but uh, I'll put you through that. Okay, just re- look carefully. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's amazing. That's a lot of alls in there. I really like all those alls. How about you guys? <laughs> That's really good. Bless you abundantly so that all things, abundance, running over, more than you need. So in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So what the implication is there, I get blessed and then I turn around and bless someone else. And it's like a cycle. Like the rain. The evaporation goes up, right? And the rain comes down. I give, heaven fills, comes down. Back and forth, back and forth, right? As written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. I like that one a lot. Freely scatter their gifts to the poor. You know, housing people and feeding people is one of the things that we've tried to build as as deeply as we can in the church fabric. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. It's an incredible thing. Do you know how many promises, how many things God says about this when you deal with the poor, how much blessing comes back? And we felt it. Good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together, coming all on us. It's just been amazing as a church. And I, I know many of you, even during this time of downturn, the recession, whatever it is, da, 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 the messes of all the employment and unemployment, all, many of us have done well and are continuing to do well, progress and move forward this time that we're in. And if you haven't received that yet, it's part of your inheritance, part of your promise. Now, he who supplies... Seed to the sower, bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. See that? Your store of seed. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. How God sees you. How uh, you're walking like God. You'll be enriched in every way. How, How many ways? So a generous person, not only is your money, but in every way. I tell you what, I need more than a bag of money. I'll tell you, I need my health. I need my relationships clear. I want to be rich. I want to be a rich person in all the ways that really count. And then it's okay for the other things too, right? There it is. You'll be enriched in every way. So when we give, we're a forgiver and a giver. Notice the word give in forgive, right? These are the promises that we have. This is the truth about us as believers. It's not the truth necessarily about the world. It's the truth about sons and daughters that purchased by the blood of Jesus that belong to God. You will be enriched in every way. Every way. Think of the ways you could be enriched. Think of the ways, if it happened to you, what, what would be great? You might not need money at all, but something else. What is it that you want? What is it that would be, wow, I'm a rich man. I'm a rich woman. Wow, I'm a rich child. I'm, Wow, what is that for you? Think about that. That's what this sermon's about. This is the truth about what's accessible to you. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And then as you give and are generous, thanksgiving goes up to God and worship goes up to God from the recipients, people that receive. Such a blessing to me to even just go into our tents and just walk through there and I have just, uh, sometimes I just go through there just to get a wave of of, uh, just thank yous because they always, they thank us profusely for things we're able to do and give away. It's truly more blessed to give than to receive because you feel great, you're doing what God wants, and then on the other side, it's all coming back on you, double, triple back in terms of affection and love and even financially. My, my, I am a magnet for God's favor. You know, in the end, God's favor is all I need. You can see that on point 1C there. It's all I need. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, and by the way, this is my first name, so I'm proud of it, except they never named me Joseph, just Joe. I have never been able to figure that out. I wish they would have carried that out. But that's my first name, so I particularly like this guy a lot, Joseph, right? I don't like the first part of his life, but I love the second part of his life, right? (laughs) So he gets taken to Egypt. Many of you know the story. He's a bunch of brothers, and if you're newer to the Bible, he's a bunch of brothers in, a, in this ancient uh, kingdom. And, uh, and so he's the show-off. He's the one that the dad likes the most. And so the brothers decide to do him in. And, you know, one day when he comes out to boss him around again. And uh, they send him off to this foreign land named Egypt, right? So he'd been taken to Egypt as a slave. It's one of, and uh, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had been taken there. The Lord was with Joseph that he, so that he prospered. Man, I just love these kind of stories because you can't keep us down no matter what happens. 
if we know Jesus, we know the Lord, and we know how to seed and sow and walk with God, we prosper. You can't keep us down. We, the, the word Joseph literally means he shall add, but that's all of us are Josephs. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. This is when he's in captivity. Sometimes when I think about this, I think some of us are in captivity. You think about where you're limited a little bit in captivity, right? So every one of us know what it feels like to be a Joseph at times right, whatever that area is for you, in your body physically, in your finances, and job situation, your living situation, whatever your captivity is. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, see, he lived and prospered even as a slave. So even in bad circumstances, God wants you to do well. You can do well in bad circumstances. And then as we're going to see with, with, with this man, the circumstances eventually changed. When, he, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. So he was sold into slavery by these uh, uh, brothers who didn't appreciate him wielding his authority quite as aggressively, right? So he put him in charge of his household and he trusted to his care everything he owned. From that time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Isn't that weird? Just think about this for just a minute. The world needs us so bad. They get blessed because we're blessed. That turned things around a little bit. Man, how stupid the world is. Treat the church right and you're going to do great. Right? This is exactly what happened. The blessing of the Lord was on Potiphar and his house in the field. So Potiphar left. This is the guy that was his slave master. So Potiphar is really happy about it. So he left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Just ate his food, just prospered like crazy, right? That's the way we are. And if you know the story, he gets thrown in jail and, uh, and because of lies that are told about him and, and uh, he got done in uh, by uh, the mistress, right? She accused him of something he didn't do, Right? And so he gets put in prison. But while Joseph was there, this is verse 20 of 39. The Lord was with him. That's Genesis 39. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in his eyes of the prison warden. I just love these stories so much. Because some of us find ourselves in limited places. But you can prosper there. And you never know in that limited place what that limited place has for you. Because promotion doesn't come from the earth. It comes from heaven. So you may be in a limited place today, but heaven can take you and put you in a prosperous place immediately, in two seconds, right? Because we have someone else on our side. You know, Joseph literally means he shall add. And all of us in this sense are he, are he shall adds. We're all Josephs. We're all Joes, right? The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So this time it's the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I just believe this is what we should be as employees. This is what we should be as servants in this culture. We should always rise to the top. We should be the first to serve and the first to bless whatever it is that we're doing. I'll tell you what, there's nothing like a good employee. We have 140 of them right now. And I am telling you, it's like the sun shines and the rain comes out every time a great employee comes along and does their job, does it with wisdom and counsel, does it with, with a good heart. It's just a blessing. We have a bunch of them. We have all kinds of wonderful, wonderful people that work with us and for us, and it's such a pleasant place. In some ways, for me, it's like heaven on earth. I just walk around and say, oh, man, that's, 
I'm just so thank God for all these wonderful people. And you see it every day, their gifting reflected in their work and how they take care of it, you know, like Jesus would and so on and so forth. And some of us are learning a little bit still, but for the most part, <laughs> we're doing really, really well. And actually, being a good steward, being a good hard worker, being faithful is actually infectious, we found. And so other people catch the culture. And by God's grace, in your culture, wherever you are, if you're an employer or wherever you work, hopefully there's a culture of these people being like Joseph, lighting the place up, making it better, serving well. And that's a hallmark of the blessing of God on a place and a blessing of God on people, right? So there's a famine that's on the horizon. Joseph knows because he interprets it, right? The dream of Pharaoh. So they say, well, what are we going to do? You know, and Joseph says, well, I got an idea. <laughs> He's ready. He's ready at that moment. And he gets promoted to second in charge of everything, basically. So he gives this plan. And they, he, he tells them the plan. Well, this is what we should do. Plans seem good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh says, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? This is the truth about you and me. We have the Spirit of God. Our employers, those people over us and people around us should be say, saying, can we find anybody like this that's got the Spirit of God? This person's generous. This person's kind. This person's smart. This person always shows up. This person always works hard. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. Oh, my goodness. I just think you should pray all the time for this. It's part of your inheritance as a Christian, as someone who follows Jesus, to be wise and discerning, smarter than anybody else at your work, smarter than anybody else in the city, anybody else in the nation. It's your place. There's no one as wise and discerning as you because why? You've got the spirit of the wise God in you, right? You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Wow. Talk about a magnet of favor. This is one of the most amazing uh, stories in the whole Bible and also should be encouraging because this isn't just left for this faraway story. It's our story. Joseph was known by God and loved by God, but who are you? You are purchased with the blood of Jesus. Who are you? Joseph was under a different redemption, different mercy, but not like our mercy. Wow. I think the possibilities are unlimited. Matter of fact, I think maybe the only thing that keeps us away from these things is what's in here and what's between the ears, right? In our heart and here. If we understand these things, it makes all the difference in the world because you are a magnet for God's favor. If you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you are favored. You are absolutely favored in everything you do. That's who you are. I'm not even exaggerating. I can't exaggerate it enough. I can't tell you enough. What does the blood of Jesus buy for somebody like you and me? Wow. Here, part of it is. Isaiah 53 is about the purchase. Isaiah 54 is what he purchased. Here's a good one. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. I'm a magnet for God's favor with my kids. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. I want to tell you, even if the worst happens in this country, this is not your law. This is not what's going to happen to you. We might get affected by it in some ways, and we are, but in the end, tyranny will be far from you. You have nothing to fear. Terror will be far, terror will be far removed. This is the way we should live. Already the world thinks we're a little weird. 
We just aren't responding like they are. I'm sorry. I've got courage in me because God makes me that way. I'm living from the inside out. Forgive me for not being terrorized by every little boo-hoo that you say over the uh, radio, television, or whatever medium you choose. I'm just not going to do it. I'm sorry. Terror has been removed me. Tyranny's far from me, and I don't want you to be the tyranny. So stop telling me what to do all the time in the negative way. If it's a good thing, tell me what to do. But if it's bad, and you know it, and I know it, you know, and here it is. Even with tyranny, the promise here is tyranny be far from you. Could we be a community where tyranny isn't quite as dramatic? Whole nations have felt that seeding with righteous people in their nations. God forbid that there's no righteous person in, that, in a nation or not enough of them to stand up, right? Tyranny be far from you. You have nothing to fear. Terror will be far from you. This is your promise. Matter of fact, I'm just going to pause for a minute. Sometimes the enemy comes and he tries to say boo really loud. Maybe you get a diagnosis from the doctor. Maybe there's an issue that somebody sent you in an email and you're like, oh my gosh, maybe it's an employment thing. Maybe there's something in the mail circulating that they're going to lay off a whole wing of the, uh, of the, or a whole orga- organizational part of the business. This says, terror will be far from, removed from you. So in the name of Jesus, I declare it will not come near you. So if this is something that you're thinking about something, just raise your hand. I want to declare this scripture over you. In righteousness, you'll be established. Wow, nobody... Okay, we got a few. All right. Raise it real high so I can see what I'm praying for. All right. I just want to declare over you today. In righteousness you'll be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You have nothing to fear. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. Wow. It will not come near you. It will not come near you. If it comes near you, it will leave as fast as it came. God will alter it. God will make it change. God will make you like Joseph. It'll be like Teflon. It'll come and it'll be just flowing off of you, right? How many have already had that happen recently in their life? Just tell me. Just raise your hand. Boy, I tell you. This is really... Raise your hand really high so I can see. I want everybody to see. So we've already been having this happen. The favor of the Lord helping us through really difficult times. Isn't it great? And for you that haven't had that yet, may God bless you. May God help you. And look at this. It gets better. This is the heritage. This is our heritage. This is the truth about you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. It is I who created the destroyer to wreak havoc. No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage. This is your rights your bill of rights from heaven. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me. And then he says, declares the Lord. I, mean, I should just stop right there. That's a pretty good sermon right there, isn't it? But no, we have more. <laughs> because I'm also a magnet for creativity. Interesting word, isn't it? If there ever was a word that actually is necessary right now, it's Creativity. We need to find creative solutions for difficult problems. And the, the church should be the forefront. We should be right at the edge, the cutting edge of all creativity. We have that creative Holy Spirit inside of the same spirit that blew across the waters and created the earth. It's inside of you. We should be able to answer problems that nobody else can. We should be able to address issues. 
This is part of our heritage. This is why it's so important for us to be in government and every place of authority in business because we have a creativity to us. The creativity was in Joseph, for example. 2 Corinthians 6.1, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the time of salvation, I helped you. Oh, my goodness. I heard you. In the time of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Oh, I like it that it's always now, aren't you? Aren't you glad? I may take a little while like a plant to grow, but it's always now in the kingdom. Because I'm a co-laborer with the Creator who calls me his friend. You could find that verse in John 15, 7 and 8 and 15. He says, I, I don't call you servants anymore, but here's what I'm doing with my redemptive blood. I'm making you my friends. You know? And the friends tell each other what's going on, right? That's why we have a little insight into our culture. Our friend Jesus tells us about stuff. <laughs> Sometimes the world don't want to hear it. But he can't help it. He just told me this the other day. I'm sorry if you don't believe, but like he's in charge of everything and I got it right from the head. <laughs> we try to tell people they don't, believe, they don't believe us, right? But this is part of who we are. We're not just anybody. We're connected at the head, at the heart. We are connected like a body. We are connected to Jesus. And he talks, right? Oh, man. Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Whoa, that's a good one. I'm going to read that again. Take delight in the Lord. In other words, give everything to God, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Think about your desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. He's not a spoiled sport. He likes to give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes the desires of your heart are just plain dumb, and He'll fix that too. But He knows what you mean, right? I don't know, but I've had some really dumb stuff that I wanted, and I thank God He didn't give it to me, man. <laughs> but He knows. He takes an account, you know, like kids. You know, your five-year-old says, you know, Dad, I want some I want some jet skis, man, for Christmas. Or like a brand new, like, motorcycle. Can we do that? You know, well, you know, what are you going to say to him? No, nah, not quite time yet, but, you know, maybe we can work on that later, right? That kind of thing, right? But so sometimes we're just not in the space for that. Because God has plans for me even when things are not going well. God has plans for me even when things are not going well. And so I, I love this so much. All oh, the scriptures are so redemptive. If you read them right, you'll be, find so much joy and glory in them because the scriptures... One reason why you should be a scripture reader is because these, these stories, all this stuff is for you. It, it tells the truth about you and about your own situation. They weren't in there just for those people and not just for the Jews or their history, but every story from the Old Testament and the New Testament tells a story about you. Look at Jeremiah 29. I love this so much. This is what the Lord says. So He just told them, here's the bad news. You guys have been rebellious. You need to be disciplined. I'm going to send you to another nation. But then He says, before it happens, look at He said, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Wow. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Wow. Those verses are some of those powerful uh, verses in the entire Bible as far as I'm concerned. I love those verses. Then you will come, call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your, your whole heart, with all your heart. I will be found by you. The Lord finds us. He has plans for us. I'm so happy He has plans for us even when you're in captivity, even when you're away. Because I'm God's handiwork, I am created to do things that only I can do. 
There were things that only Israel could do as God's people. This is part of the reason why he has plans for us, because we're special in that way. There's only things that his church, that his people can do, and we have to be about our Father's business, right? Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not from yourselves, a gift of God. Not by works so that no one may boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Creative works, things never seen before, inventions, cures, beautiful art, incredible schools. (laughs) But our school is so creative. It's genius. It's just sheer genius how we put that thing together. By the way, time out. Lord, I pray that the City Council, City Planning Commission on Tuesday says yes to every single plan that we've taken taken the last eight or nine months to prepare. I pray they'd say yes to every campus thing, everything on campus that we want to do. I pray Tuesday night would be glorious. I pray they'd say yes, yes, yes to everything. May the favor of the Lord be on us in front of that City Planning Commission. The last time I was in front of the Planning Commission, they said yes to us being in these buildings and yes to our parking, that we would share it even during the day and night with all the, with the other building. You said yes then, Lord, and it opened everything up. Now we're on the edge of another yes, and if you say yes, it's going to cause an explosion to happen on this campus because we've got plans, plans you've given us for blessing this region and this area, Lord, and they're unfolding as we speak. I pray you just say that. So be a prayer for me, okay? Pray for all of our church on Tuesday in front of the Laguna Niguel City Planning Commission. Oh, man, I got off on that. Tell where my head's at. Okay, go back. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves, it's a gift of God, not by works that, someone should bo- that no one should boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Wow. So, no we prepared to do good works, but God knew it was going to come, and He actually planned in advance. So, Amy, there's some plans that God has prepared in advance for you to do at that school, and I'm not sure where it goes, right, from here. But we can be assured that uh, those plans are planned in advance. So all we have to do is discern the plan and make sure that we're on the right page, right? And uh, so I'm just talking to her because of the school that we've done here. But there's even more schooling, evidently, that's coming our way also. And um, we're just trying to evaluate all of that. But, Lord, I just ask that you just give us wisdom to understand your plans, right? What we were created to do as individuals and what this church is created to do and to be in this area. Roman number three, I am a magnet for God's wisdom. I'll tell you, I, during this crisis that we've been in, and, uh, and sometimes just, it's just life crisis or not, uh, wisdom has been a premium. How about that for everybody? Wisdom. Lord, just give me wisdom. What do I do? What do I do next? Where do I move? Where do I go? I know some of you, I mean, we're still in this place. I've just met some people the other day who found a great place to live in, in uh, Arizona. And, and actually, there's people moving this way, too. Believe it or not. I mean, it's the craziest. So everything's shifting around, right? But here in Psalm 32, I love these verses. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Aren't you glad that God counsels with his loving eye on you? I'm keeping an eye on you, but it's loving. And I'm going to give you good counsel so you don't mess up. I'm going to give you good counsel so you hit the mark. I've 
really begin to understand that part of my ability to hear God's voice and get direction for my life is my belief that He's a good God, that He has good plans for me, and that He actually will speak to me and that I'll actually hear. You just got to believe it. Okay, so let's just think about, let's reason this thing together. God desperately wants you to hear, and you desperately want to hear. So why wouldn't you hear His voice? It makes no sense. So why would you let fear and, and terror get in your heart to block the voice? You want it. God wants it. The other guy, so what? You will hear, right? I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Okay, now this is something I've learned about this. It may take a little while. So it may take a little thing to unfold, right? This counsel. So I call this counsel a wisdom path. I've learned to call it a wisdom path. So I go on wisdom journeys. I need some information. I need to know what to do with that. So then I begin my journey, right? And I look for signs. I look for what God's doing. I go on these wisdom paths. Unfortunately, people get so afraid and terrified, they don't wait to hear. And so what they do is they start reacting, you know, until the path comes. When the path begins to unfold, then you just take a step further and further. And once you kind of get into it, you go, oh, I'm on the right path. And then you just keep going, right? So I promise you, whatever you're uh, praying about, asking for direction, whatever, God will give you a wisdom path if you will believe Him. Part of it is you've got to drain your heart of fear that God won't show you. Even if you make a mistake and go left when you should have gone right, you can just turn around right quick and go back right. You see what I'm saying? He's so generous. We're so afraid of making a mistake. Or whatever. There's nothing so critical. If He has all the provision in the world, if you make a mistake, you say, uh-oh, that wasn't a good choice, and then you turn around, He'll give you the provision you need to make unmake that problem, right? He'll give you the provision, you know, to you got that to make the bad choice, then he'll give you provision to, to undo it. If you move to Botswana and you shouldn't, he'll give you the play fair, plane fair and you can come back. Or maybe Florida. <laughs> Probably not New York City. Anyway, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come uh, to you. You know, one of the keys to direction is not being afraid. Not being afraid. Don't be afraid. Just if you see it's you made the wrong decision, didn't make it, just turn around. It's okay. We would never be so harsh with our kids. God's not that harsh with us. You know, He, he lets you make a little mistake. Sometimes He lets you wander off a little bit, right? Just so He can tell you how much He loves you and get you back on the right path. And so He can verify you're going the right direction. So I'm going to pray right now for everyone Lord, that's trying to make a decision about a path. May the Lord give you dis- awareness. May the Lord reinforce to you you're on the right path or the wrong path. And if it's the wrong path, may He change you gently. May you see the error of your way. May you be so encouraged because you know the right way to go. That voice behind us, you shall hear this voice as another scripture. This is the way, walk in it. May the Lord give you direction. I know this is a time where a lot of people are asking for direction right now. May you hear that voice behind you from your loving Father. This is the way. Walk in it. So if you look at Roman numeral uh, 3, I'm a magnet for God's wisdom. I'm a magnet for God's wisdom, right? Because when I ask for wisdom, God gives it generously. Because the anointing teaches me to obey God's commands. And also because God promises me I will always be the head and not the tail. That's a pretty good one. If you know you're the head, you've got a lot of confidence. Wait a minute. 
Huh. That's probably not the right thing. Uh, I, Lord, I need wisdom. Listen. Most of wisdom is believing that you're going to actually, that you're, you can hear wisdom. That you're, you're good enough that God can speak to you, right? Because sometimes we get all this condemnation and, and it's all in there. But we don't have to. So I will always be the head. When you know that you're, it's sort of like, hey, I'm blessed. You know, I'm blessed. Okay, yeah, I messed up. But, you know, I'm going to hear the right thing. Okay, so what? All right, God, what's next? I just think this confidence is so important. God wants to give you wisdom. God's in the specialty of giving you wisdom, right? And, and, and sometimes we, we have such a bad image of ourselves, right? And we, we just think, oh, that we're not qualified or we're not going to get wisdom. We remember our problems. Matter of fact, I just do that right now. I wash away every stupid decision you made right out of your brain right now in Jesus' name. Forget it. Forget it. Because this is the one that says in Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He has given you. The Lord will establish you as His holy people, as He promised you on oath, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to Him. Then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity and the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock. See, it's all agrarian language, but you know. The crops of your ground and the land He swore to give your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of His bounty, to send rain on your land and season and to bless all the work of your hands. That's the truth about me. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, just walk with God, He's saying. And God's going to give you the wisdom. He'll give you the, 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 what you need. He'll give you the direction and the counsel. He'll counsel you with His loving eye on you. You'll always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands. See, just walk with God. Then He'll say this. I give you today, to the right, to the left, following other gods and serve. Don't go to the, that way. Stay with God. I don't know about you. I get excited about some of these problems promises, don't you? You're a magnet for hearing the right advice. Don't let fear and condemnation and worry cloud your brain. And if you've let it do that, just say, Whoop, sorry God, I got too fearful. Sorry for that. Lord, I clear the slate again. Thank you. You're going to show me the right way. And He doesn't condemn you. When you make a mistake, it's okay. You just learn from it and move on. Some of us make a mistake and we're shattered and frozen. We can't move. Some of you are frozen right now. You can't hear a word from God because you think you might have made a mistake or something bad happened to you. So what? It's all right. You're only a confession. If you blew it, just say, I did it. Sorry, God. Now let's go on. Some of us are better than others. But this is wisdom. This is counsel. This is the scripture. This is the truth about you. Look at Roman number four. I am a magnet for God's love. Man, God just can't keep talking to me and hanging around me. I am a magnet for God's favor. He just is around. His, his love is all over the place. I, people get in this place, and the worst place you can get into is you think that God doesn't love you anymore, or that it, you're just no good anymore. But look at this. For blood-bought believers, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things. How, how many things is that? All things. God works for the good of those who love Even bad choices I made? Yes. He'll turn it around. Who have been called according to His purpose. 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. I have no idea what that means. But anyway, it's a nice poem. But the part in the beginning was really good. right? And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, right? And call according to his purpose. The Father lavishes his love on us like kids, right? See what great love the Father's lavished on us. 1 John 3, 1. One of my favorite passages, which I, I just do all the time. I just For those who are led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8, 14, the Spirit you are, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. I hate fear because it makes me a slave. That's how dictators rule. That's how Satan rules. And how many of you know in the atmosphere right now we have a fear problem? And this fear problem, even for saints, even for believers, makes you really nutso and crazy, right? All in the name of the Lord sometimes. And all it is is the root of it is fear, raw fear. This managing of fear is so important because the Spirit doesn't go that way. So if you've got this fear raging in your soul and you're trying to hear from God, it's really hard because you're hearing all these echoes and they're not from the right side, right? I, I just have a hard time hearing from people that I look at that glaze in their eyes and I look at the terror in their eyes and they're telling me a word from the Lord. And I'm going, oh my gosh. I don't believe a word you're saying. I don't say that to them. I, I, I don't believe a word you're saying. I can see the fear in you. And I, I know this ain't coming from the right place. You're absolutely terrified trying to talk yourself into a prophecy that you're laying on me now to make me believe what you only one-fourth believe. <laughs> right? Oh, there's so much of that going around. Because the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. I'm not a slave. The spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. You know, when we don't live like slaves in our culture, the world is absolutely confounded and astounded. Have you noticed that? They just can't figure it out. They think we're mentally ill or something. Or something must be seriously wrong. Or maybe just we're just really political. You know, this is another weird political party. They can't figure it out. I'm sorry. Spirit gives me peace, and I'm just listening to it. I'm literally, literally, I am. I'm marching to the beat of a different drummer, and it ain't your drummer, right? Fear, condemnation, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption of sonship, and this is the best part. And by him, what? We cry, Abba, Daddy. I don't care what's happening in your life. Daddy never goes away. Daddy. I love that. Aren't you glad that's Daddy? Daddy. Not just Father. Daddy, the Spirit himself testifies. That word testifies is the word we get martyr from. Strong testimony with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, if we are children that we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. There are things that we will suffer for, we will suffer in, but there's also glory that we, we have as well, right? But we just got to make sure that the suffering part doesn't overlay the glory. The glory overlays the suffering, right? Momentary cause light affliction. I call it MLA. I just I have a little code. Ah, just some more MLA today. Momentary light affliction, right? It'll be gone. All right. I love Romans 8, uh, 31 so much. I want to read these last verses we're about to finish here. What then shall we say in response to these things? Good conclusion to the sermon. If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously 
Give us all things. Who will bring any charge against whom God has chosen? It, it is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Are you kidding me? Jesus Christ is praying for me right now at the point of my deepest need. Well, he doesn't seem to be interested in that place. No. Why would he intercede if you don't need intercession? He's praying for you at the point where you're the deepest need. Jesus Christ is praying for you. Other people may be praying for you, but if everybody stops praying for you, Jesus is interceding for you to get to the right place, to find the blessing you're looking for. That's pretty good. Good job, man. <laughs> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. Then he goes, no. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, I should have just said that. I could have just read that and we could have had a five-minute sermon and been home already. Oh, but I can't do that. Last part. This is First Thessalonians. I'll get it out. 5, 16 to 18. All right, let's all stand. Thank you, Lord. You know, I do believe a miracle is happening. I'm finishing early today. I'm, I'm like crossing the Red Sea here. We're doing great. We have the worship band come as well, all right? So, in conclusion, what's the truth about me? We sit in these amazing verses. Rejoice always. Pray continually. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So why pray continually if God's going to do it anyway? Because it's the great adventure of the whole thing. Somehow or another, He makes you weak enough to be part of the process and Him weak enough to accept your prayers. Something about the mystery of prayer. I don't even understand all the details of it and how sovereignty works and everything. All I know is I just know that things go much better when I pray. And I just use it to guard my heart, build my confidence, because I know on the other side, I don't just pray for my health. I pray because somebody's listening. Somebody wants to help me. The one that shed blood for me. The one that went the cross for me. My intercessor. He's praying for me. So I can pray. Rejoice always. Pray how often? Continually. Why? Because, first of all, it's a fellowship there. Second of all, we're in trouble a lot, Right? Give thanks in all circumstances. <gasps> Every circumstance? Yeah, all circumstances. Only a triumphant God can say that. See where the Bible is? It's the truth about you is flying way above all this other stuff, right? And it's the reality. This other stuff around us is unreality. All the negativity, the condemnation, all the crazy stuff that we spend hours listening to, walking through, it's not the reality for believers. Give thanks in all circumstances. 
for these three things. Rejoice always, pray, continue to give thanks in all circumstances for what? This is what? God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then he says quickly, do not quench the spirit because the spirit inside of you wants to walk this way. This is the way he is. And so let's, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? When you're full of fear and bitterness, how can you hear? How can you be agreed? Right? Do not quench the Spirit. You need the Spirit. He'll give you revelation. He'll give you insight. He'll show you what to do. He'll speak to you. So this rejoicing always, praying continually, giving thanks to all circumstances. That's God's will. When you do that, you don't quench the Spirit. You cause the Spirit to come. Right? Such a beautiful plan God has. Isn't it amazing? I love this plan so much. I love what God does, His economy, uh, so much. And then he says there, do not quench the spirit, the very next verse, right? Don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them, uh, contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. There's a lot of prophecies, but just test them a little bit, but always listen for the grace of God in them. And if there's too much fear in them or condemnation or weird stuff, just learn to see that and go, ah, I think we'll just put that one on the shelf for a minute. You know a good prophecy when the prophecy comes in and gives you hope on the inside and you start moving forward with encouragement and strength. And then your own listening begins to open up. Hey, maybe there's a chance for me. Maybe it's going to be okay after all. That's what good prophecy, that's what a word from the Lord does because that's the truth about you and the truth about Him. Amen? All right. So in this atmosphere, I can't think of a better time to come and do business with the Lord. Right? And so uh, I would like some of our ministry team to come because the thing about ministry team and having other prayers is where two or three agree about anything, there's an extra thing that happens there. And sometimes we actually can see something even beyond the thing that you're actually worried and terrified about, something more we can see. Sometimes God gives us words and information. So if you guys on the ministry team could first go into the sides of this so that we have more space. So you got a little more room out there, right? Any of you others that would like to pray, when we have ministry team, for you that are newer, these are just people who who uh, uh, have gone through our training and uh, have some experience in praying for people. And so what they are, they're kind of co-laborers with you. Where two or three gather together, there I am in their midst. When two agree about anything, right? So we allow for two to agree. You could do that right with the person sitting next to you. Hold your wife's hand or hold your husband's hand or somebody you know, a friend. Go, hey, would you pray with me over this? So I just encourage you to take access, get access with the God in light of what I've said. In the name of Jesus, I break the spirit of fear in this room. We will not cooperate with it anymore. The Lord rebuke you. We know who we are. We know where we belong. I pray every prayer that's uttered here up in the front or in their seats as we're worshiping. I pray everything that's said here. I pray, Lord, you would hear from heaven. I pray, God, you would hear from heaven and I pray you would bring your spirit and calm us on the inside. Prayers for children, prayers for jobs, prayers for direction. Do I move here? Do I move there? Confirmations. Lord, speaking God, speak today just in this little space that we have before we leave. And I encourage you just to give God some space before you go. You could do it up here with someone if you feel comfortable doing that or you could do it from your seat. But whatever you do, give God some space. And as you're praying, you might actually hear an answer or a bit of wisdom today about what you're supposed to do. Lord, am I supposed to move? Lord, am I supposed to take that job? Lord, should I call such and such today? 
Lord, what do I do? Do I go to the doctor or not? What do you want me to do about my child? You know, this happened here, so I'm just going to pray this at the end here. We had a breakthrough. I mean, for me, I, I couldn't stop in tears a little bit because I know this person. And uh, she said that for the first time in eight years, this loved one who hadn't called her called her. So if there's anyone that's estranged from you that you haven't heard from in a while, may the Lord answer your prayer. I pray. So whenever we have a testimony, I just pray like crazy over it. Just ask such and such. Lord, would you have them call me or would you make a communication link? In Jesus' name. All right. So I should encourage you to spend a little time just as we're in worship, praying and asking God for things. If you need to go, feel free. If you want to come up and get some prayer up here, feel free. In Jesus' name. God bless you all.